Well, here's the question. An inheritance, is it a curse or is it a blessing? I think sometimes it's kind of hard to know because we have all probably all heard about arguments which erupt in families over an inheritance, and it can be brutal. Someone once said, it isn't the inheritance that is divisive, but the the greed and the desire to have more than what one has been given in the will. Greed and desire is what divides family, and this is what's taking place in today's lesson. In case you're wondering about Jewish law, the firstborn son always received a double portion of the father's possessions. The other sons in the family will receive half the amount of the firstborn. And what seems to be happening in this situation is that the man's elder brother is refusing to give the younger brother his share of their father's inheritance. And the reason for this might have been that the older brother was trying to keep intact the father's property, keep that intact. In New Testament times, often heirs would live together to keep the property, to keep the inheritance intact. And so what seems to be taking place in this passage is the younger brother apparently wants to separate off his own share of the inheritance and wants to be independent of his older brother. I can understand that. Well, when situations like this arose in ancient Israel, in Palestine, then family members would appeal to the rabbis, because the rabbis were supposed to be so wise, to make a judgment based on those existing laws. But as we know from this lesson, Jesus doesn't get caught up in this dispute and the greediness, greediness of both the brothers. And Jesus doesn't buy into the problem placed before him. Instead, he warns the younger brother to be on the guard against all kinds of greeds. And he reminds the man that one's life does not consist only of the abundance of his possessions. And then Jesus goes on to tell that parable about that man who feels so secure because he has enough possessions and misses the fact that real security comes from God alone. His future is secure because of God, not because of what he possesses. I think that this is a particularly hard thing for us who are part of this world to believe at times, because I feel like we get bombarded with all sorts of messages from the world that life does consist in the abundance of one's possessions, So you should get all you can, and you should um, have all that's possible. We are bombarded every day of our living by messages from the media that really do support this type of thinking. Now, there have been many comedians who have, uh, have had done bits on our culture's focus on possessions. Steve Martin had one, which was wonderful, a long time ago on um, Saturday Night Live. But the funniest one I have ever heard comes from George Carlin's routine on stuff. And you can view it on YouTube if you would like, but I have to warn you, it has some very mature words in the video. (laughs) Words I don't use, so I'm not going to, anyway, but you can watch it if you want. 
But the routine starts out by him apologizing for, to the audience for being late about get, to getting on stage to start his routine. And he says, I'm late because I went to my dressing room so I could put my stuff there. But you know what? The dressing room was being, um, somebody else was in there. So I had to look for another room so I could store my stuff. And then he goes on to say that the whole meaning of life seems to be finding a place for us to store our stuff. And he makes some what I feel are true and funny comments, such as, have you ever noticed that we get rid of our stuff so we can buy more stuff? I'm guilty. How about you? And he says, isn't it interesting that there's a whole storage industry so people can uh, store uh, their stuff for, because they no longer have room in their homes because they have too much stuff. And we all know that there's those storage industries out there storing stuff. But my favorite is what he says about our homes. He calls them really just boxes in which we keep our stuff with locks and roofs on them. I think George Carlin in this funny and over-the-top routine ends up really illustrating what Jesus is saying in our lesson for today. Our stuff, our possessions can shape our lives, take over our lives, and this can happen without us ever really realizing it. Jesus seems to be challenging us to be aware towards this human tendency, if you will, towards greediness and trusting and stuff. And Jesus seems to be challenging us to be rich towards God and to be in relationship with God. And Jesus is challenging us to recognize that all we have is a gift from God and that God is the true owner of all of it, not us. We're just kind of the people who um, get to use it while we're here on earth. Well, some of you may be thinking, and I know this is true, you've heard all this before. This is nothing new. Others may be a little uncomfortable with what's being said, but I don't think the point of what Jesus was saying was to heap guilt on people or to shame people or do anything like that. I think the point that Jesus was trying to make was to free us, if you will, from the things we possess and also to see them as gifts, gifts from God and gifts that we are called to, to use and to, sh and to share. And you know what? I think it's probably true that we all know people who are literally working themselves to death. Perhaps they're working themselves out of a marriage. Perhaps they're working themselves out of friendships or even out of their families because they're so busy with their stuff. And I don't want, to think, I don't want anybody to think, <coughs> excuse me, it is wrong to plan for the future. It's not wrong to plan for the, what takes place in life. And we live in a culture where we literally have to do those things. But of course, we need to do those things. And you just talk to a parent who wants to send a child to college, they're planning, they're working towards that. Or if you just talk to somebody about my age who's planning for retirement, you need to make the plan so you can do those things. But it's not wrong to even enjoy the stuff that we've been given and to use it. It's not wrong. But it is, the challenge is, it does seem to be wrong to think that our possessions will be the very thing that secure our future and will make life good and will give our life purpose. That's what Jesus is challenging today. 
we are called to be rich towards God. And I think we're rich towards God when we see ourselves and our time and our possessions just differently. So what are some things that might help make us rich towards God? Here are some things I've heard from followers of Jesus, from people who um, are disciples. One person suggested that we expose ourselves to different situations which challenges us <coughs> excuse me, to think about our lives and our stuff differently. Perhaps do a mission trip or perhaps do a servant trip. You talk to any student who's been on a mission trip, they'll tell you about that. You talk to the folks who've been to Haiti, they'll tell you about that, how that all kind of puts things in perspective. Someone suggested, just keep a gratitude journal. Write down what you're grateful for, because that just helps that stay in perspective, too. And another person said that they like to give away the things that God has blessed them with, and they recognize in that they recognize that God has blessed them, and also by sharing what they have, they believe that helps other people recognize that God is blessing them. So it's kind of that kind of circular thing. And for me personally, being rich towards God is about returning to God what God has first given us, ourselves, our times, and our possessions. Myself, my time, and my possessions. That's from an offertory prayer in the green hymnal from a long time ago, but I love it because it reminds me that my uh, gifts have been given to me to be shared. Well, Luke, it seems, for Luke, it seems that you cannot be a faithful follower of Jesus, be rich towards God, and then keep an abundance of possessions just for yourself. And that's really the problem in the parable with this man. He speaks in terms of I, I, I. I will do this. I will pull down the barns. I will store my grains. And for those who have possessions, um, that's true. We can do those things, but they were given so they can be shared with others. And what seems to be with the problem with this man is he never even thinks about the fact that maybe he could share what God had given him. He doesn't seem to recognize that God is the true owner of everything. Well, on Monday of this past week, I was teaching the scouting of the divine class, and one of the things we talked about in the class was gleaning, which was an ancient Hebrew practice. And according to the ancient uh, law, the farmers were called to not cut their crops to the very edge of the field. They were to leave a row behind so the poor, the less fortunate, could glean the fields and provide for their families. I thought about that a lot as I prepared for this sermon. And I think gleaning was this beautiful practice kind of built into the law which helped served as a reminder to the farmers that all they had really did come from God and what they grew was not just meant for themselves, but was meant to be shared. And that gleaning let it be shared with others. So, something to ponder. What we've been given is not just for ourselves. I love this story. It is... Um, told by a woman who was a social worker in Appalachia. And it's a story about a person who recognizes that God is a true owner of all. 
and her name was Florence Ferrier, this social worker, but she begins the story talking about the Sheldons. They're a large family in financial distress after a series of misfortunes. And they were receiving help, but it was not really enough to <coughs> take care of all their concerns, but they seemed to manage nonetheless with, as she said, ingenuity, with ingenuity. Well, one day she said uh, she went to visit the Sheldons at their house, and despite of this uh, painful physical handicap, Mr. Sheldon had recently shot and butchered a large buck that had strayed into their yard. And the meat had been processed by drying it and putting it in canning jars, which you can can meat. I looked it up. I didn't know if you could or not, but you can. And anyway, they had processed the meat so they would have meat in their diet in the wintertime when fuel costs were high. And she said what was so moving for her was on that day that Mr. Sheldon offered her a can or a jar of the meat. And she said she was hesitant to accept it because she knew the family had need. But he was really kind of um, firm in, in, in saying, I want you to have this. You need to take it, uh, Mrs. Farrier, or Miss Farrier, because we ain't poor. That's what he said. You need to take this because we ain't poor. Well, she said at that time she couldn't resist asking, what's the difference? What's the difference? And he answered, when you give something away, even when you don't have much, then you ain't poor. But when you don't feel easy giving something away, even if you have more than you need, then you're poor, whether you know it or not. Well, she ends the story by saying, I accepted and enjoyed their gift and treasured the lesson in living. And she said in time she saw it as a spiritual lesson because she came to realize that God provided all. And it, and it seemed to her that it was ungracious to doubt that our needs will be met without our clinging to every morsel. So she said, when I feel myself resisting and urged to share what's mine, or when I see someone sharing freely from the little they have, I remember Mr. Sheldon saying, we ain't poor. Well, Mr. Sheldon, I think we can say, was rich towards God. He wasn't poor. And I hope that we have experienced somewhere along the line someone sharing from their abundance, even if their abundance is small, because what a blessing that is. And may we also recognize this, that God is the true owner of all that we have. And may we live our lives knowing and trusting that we truly ain't poor because we have God as our Father. Amen.